All right, everyone, welcome back to Sports Talk 316. Um, as always, I'm Brett, alongside my man Shane. Um, and we come to you on a special day here on Thursday, August 8th, or August 15th. Yeah, 8th is the month. Um, spicy nuggets from Wendy's are back. Shane, your thoughts initially? Uh, it feels right. You know, Thursday, spicy nuggets, spicy nugget Thursday. I feel like someone should have did that through college. Oh, wait, we, we, oh, did. we did. We, we did. did do that. We had horribly unhealthy <laughs> habits, but that was my favorite one that we've ever had. Oh, my gosh. And it's been, what, three years since? Three, two to three two-ish, years. Two-ish, two-ish, yeah. now we're back. First Thursday, we've both been in town for Spice Nuggets, but I think they just got back Just Monday. came back Monday, so. Yeah, so this is the first Thursday we could have gotten Spice Still haven't Nuggets. missed one then, yeah. I mean, we made it back. The yeah. only one we've ever missed, Brett, you were on your deathbed. I was very sick, <laughs> and I, I, oh, man, that still haunts me. I still wake up with... With some nightmares about that, but and we're also at Capitol here just for some nostalgia purposes. It's Freshman Move-In Day here for the uh, the Capitol Crusaders. A little destination podcast. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're hitting the road, uh, going back to our, our hometown, Wendy's and Bexley on Livingston. Uh, terrible service as always. I mean, it took me about a half hour to get through the drive-through. My Dr Pepper tastes miserably bad. I think it's. I still haven't looked at the color. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it looks is... like it's been sitting in ice for like a week. Yep. But, you know. No, they got the order right. They did. I was so, impressed. You know, yeah. step up. Yeah. They, they, have, they have greatly improved the last two years. But, yeah, you're, how were the spicy nuggets? Give me your thoughts. We just finished eating them right before we got on. Uh, we had to actually prioritize that, as you all should know. I definitely think they are one of my favorite fast food ever, you know, um, Delicious, a little spicier than I remember. They I have a little bit of a kick to them. Um, so if you haven't tried them yet since they've been back, look out for that little, not an in-your-face type spice, but definitely a um, little kick there at the end. Yeah, not overwhelming for sure. No. Dip it in a little ranch, you're great. And yeah, it was a good time. I mean, the, the fries again, not much salt, but the nuggets are back. <laughs> That's what matters. Um, and we are pumped about it. So we had to lead off, you know, the uh, designated beginning of our podcast for some spicy nuggets because that's, that's where our hearts truly lie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been a great time. So um, moving into some sports stuff, just to give you a, a little rundown, we're going to do some MLB talk. We missed some, had some trade deadline stuff going on. NFL's right around the corner. Football season's right there. Um, we'll get into some This Day in Sports History, um, bringing back that segment, and as well bringing back an obscure sport that I'm still not sure you're going to even understand it because I don't. Um, but we're going to keep rolling with it. And then, uh, as always, we will end with, uh, with some scripture. Um, if this is your first time listening, uh, awesome. <laughs> um, so definitely appreciate that. But we, uh, Shane and I, we like talking about things we love, like spicy nuggets. Um, like sports and we love talking about our faith and, and, and Jesus and how he just impacts our lives and so that's why we do this because we get a kick out of it and we love talking about things we love speaking of baseball trade deadline one of the best days of the year how'd you spend your deadline day so I was at work yeah unfortunately me too um, I think I canceled every meeting I had and just cl- kept clicking refresh on my computer just to see <laughs> Because, you know, the Pirates were in a spot where they were like, okay, we could trade everybody. Yeah. And they ended up trading nobody, really. But I was sitting there like, okay, when's Felipe Vasquez gone? When am I taking off my Pirates shirt and 
grabbing a bandwagon fan for the rest of this year shirt. But so I was just sitting there clicking refresh for a long time. You and me both. I mean, I was sitting there. The deadline, um, for those of you who don't know, and Major League Baseball made a change this year. They took away the August 31st waiver trade deadline, which is confusing, and just made one deadline. No more trades after July 31st. That's it at 4 o'clock. And it was like 3.40, 3.45, and there was like three or four trades. Like it was nothing happening. Um, and so we, I was kind of bummed. And like 4 o'clock came around, and there was a couple that came in that were decent. And then all of a sudden, trade after trade after trade after trade came through after it kind of got released to the public. Um, with the, the headliner being Zach Grinky getting dealt from the Diamondbacks to the Houston Astros. What do you think of that deal? Um, and yeah, what, what are your, what are your, what was your initial reaction to that? Um, yeah, I think it was one of those deals where, you know, it, it came out after four, I think it was like a couple minutes after four. So four hits, I'm just like, oh, well, this was a boring trade deadline. I saw what four relievers get moved and Yasiel Puig. So I was, I mean, I was honestly pretty surprised, you know, the Astros have a pretty good pitching staff already. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I didn't expect them to trade for Zach Greinke. Um, they definitely have maybe the most daunting pitching staff uh, with Garrett Cole and EIL with some hamstring issues, but definitely a daunting pitching staff. But also the surprise to me was that they didn't get rid of what their top two prospects. Yeah. So yeah. they trade for a perennial ace and they keep their number one and number two prospects. Yeah. So that's impressive for them. Yeah. And then and the Astros farm system um, is rated really, really high, and it's very top-heavy. Um, they don't have a lot of depth in it, according to some of the, the so-called experts. Um, so, yeah, that was that was huge. Awesome to see um, some big names getting moved like that, especially with this huge contract that he has. Um, and he's 35, I think, um, so he's not the youngest guy. So that was fun. That was really awesome to see. Um, and then lots of other deals kind of happened, and lots of – Deals didn't happen that we really thought were teams like the Mets were very kind of weird, and there was like Dodgers and Yankees were for mm-hmm. sure going to get like five pitchers each, and they didn't get anything. Um, so, who did you think had the best trade deadline um, that was a little bit different, but kind of cool to watch? So cool to watch is kind of hard to say because they didn't do anything, mm-hmm. and it's kind of hard to say they had a best. But then when you look at what happened around them. It kind of makes sense. So I put my best as the Cardinals, a team that came mm. in and they are fighting for the win the division. And um, to me, they pretty much could be the best team in NL Central, just all around. Um, but then you had people like the Cubs and the Brewers, and we know what the in, what the Reds did, but we'll see how that plays out for them. But you had these two top teams that are really going to be fighting for that division with the Cardinals. And they're both going to be buyers. You know, they were both Brewers looking for some pitching uh, help, um, Cubs looking for pretty much anything they could get their hands on. And the Brewers came out of it with Drew Pomeranz and another starting pitcher that really doesn't make that big of a difference. And then the Cubs got Castellanos, which is a good pickup for them. but mm-hmm. Kind of a weird fit. Yeah, it just... I don't know. I just don't feel like any of those teams in NL Central got better, which makes the Cardinals still the best team in NL Central to me. So I still think they have a very good shot of taking the division from the Brewers and the Cubs. So I think they had the best one just by staying put and not doing anything drastic. Yeah, which that it was interesting because a lot of people were speculating that they desperately needed a starter. 
um, because Michael Walk has been so bad. But, yeah, when you look at their team, it's everything should be a lot better than it has been. Um, so I can understand why staying put. But, yeah, the fact that the Cubs didn't go out and make a big move and a big splash um, for, for some help on their offense and as well in their bullpen, um, that, that's huge. Um, my best could be – it was just because I think they had so many different things, go, moving pieces going on that I think they made – they set themselves up really well. And it's a team that's still in the race, but we just talked about the Diamondbacks. Um, the Diamondbacks are not out of the wild card yet, even though I don't think they're going to make it. And I think they know they're not going to make it. And so they decided they, – they, Diamondbacks knew that they were not a World Series contender. And so they went ahead and traded Zach Grinke at his highest value while he's still pitching well at age 35 – Got rid of Moses' salary, and like we said, even though they didn't get the top two prospects from the from the Astros, they still got some awesome studs in Corbin Martin, um, Shane, uh, Seth Beer supposed to be a stud. J.B. Bukowskis was uh, potentially in the top two or three in their prospects that they kind of had interchangeably uh, made. So they got some young talent back that is like kind of in the works of getting up. They also acquired Mike Leak and Zach Gallen from the Marlins, and I love those deals. Um, Zach Gallen has been really, really impressive for the Marlins, and they traded, um, you know, a young kind of high risk, high reward shortstop um, for him. So they kind of solidified their rotation a little bit with guys who are consistently getting innings um, to kind of replace Grinky by making. But they also made their farm system significantly better. Um, so I kind of like what they did there. It, I thought it was uh, they, they had a good deadline day. Um, what about worst deadline? Um, there are a lot of speculation about teams that coulda, shoulda, woulda. Who do you think had the worst deadline? Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep with the same trend here and going off what other teams did and what this team didn't do. Um, I'm going to go with the Twins. I On our podcast before this, I think I talked about how the Indians are creeping up, and if the Twins don't do anything, they're going to see themselves fall behind the Indians. And currently the standings are – that they are a half game up on the Indians, mm-hmm. uh, who the Indians were what fourteen games back at some point. Yeah, they they've been they were double digits for yeah. a little bit. So they're they're on their way back, and the Indians make a move. Granted, they traded possibly the ace of their staff, kind of, um, with Corey Kluber out, and but they pulled back Yasiel Puig, Franmil Reyes. They got the. Logan Allen, which was the Padres' like number seven prospect, and they got like the number eleven from the Reds. Um, so they solidified their lineup with Yasiel Puig and Fran Mill Reyes. Logan Allen's going to come in. I think he's going to be a bullpen arm for them for a little bit. So I think they got a lot better. Uh, and then the Twins got Sam Dyson, who okay, a relief pitcher. They needed bullpen help, and they got Sergio Romo, who's a thirty-six-year-old reliever, who's also like. Okay, so no, mm-hmm. nothing that really going to make your jaw drop. And they didn't address a rotation that I think is somewhat shaky. Um, they, they still mash, but at some point you got to look at your rotation. I mean, we saw it with last year um, with the Brewers. You can have a decent rotation, but you can't rely on your bullpen to, get, to take you deep in the postseason. I think once you start relying on them too heavily – they're going to kind of fade. You need five or six arms to do that. Yeah. And yeah, they, I don't think either team has those um, things. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think the Twins had the deadline they were hoping for either. Um, and another team that – the team that I kind of had um, as the worst were the, the Dodgers. Now, the Dodgers are 19 and a half games up in the division. 
They have the best record in the National League by a ton. They're the best team in the National League by a good amount over the Braves and the Nationals. Um, but they have been one game away from the World Series two years in a row, and a big portion of that is because their bullpen kind of fell apart. Kenley Jansen, fantastic closer. He's got some unfortunate health concerns as well with his heart, um, and he's been a little inconsistent this year. Joe Kelly's been all over the place. He was supposed to be their savior. Two, I mean, two years ago, they had Joe Blanton in the eighth inning. Then they had Brandon Morrow, and they overworked the heck out of him, and he was done. Um, Julio Urias is still kind of not sure who he is. Um, right now, their best bullpen arm is Pedro Baez. They had a chance to make the biggest move of the, off, of the trade deadline in trading for your, your guy, Felipe Vasquez. Um, they have prospects galore to do so. And I understand they didn't want to trade their top guy, Gavin Lux. I get that. He's probably going to be their second baseman next week. Um, but at the same time, they had a catcher. They have multiple catching prospects in the top three or five in their, in their organization. Dustin May, who's come up, could have been traded. Um, they're not – I mean, he, he's another bullpen guy, but guess who's way better? Felipe Vasquez. He's the best closer in the league right now. And he could be he, – and he's controlled for until 2022, I believe. Yeah, it's four more years and possibly – An option an for option. 23 yeah. after the arbitration – or because he already yeah, – all the arbitration years were given up and all that. I don't see how you can possibly get better. I get it. The Dodgers know they're good enough. They're probably going to make the World Series if you were to put money on anything. But if you're looking to get over the hump and really just solidify that you are the best team in the league and you have a chance to pull that trigger, I don't know how you don't. Um, so that's kind of my, my worst. Um, yeah, and I, I definitely get that. And just going from a different standpoint too, like Shane Green was traded – they could have tried to make a deal for him. You know, he's probably a little less than what Felipe Vasquez would have been. Kirby Yates was also on the market. Mm-hmm. So they had options other than Felipe Vasquez that probably would have been a tad cheaper. And I just, like you they said. Stayed they stayed silent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, was, that was kind of an, uh, a weird thing to see. Um, yeah. So moving on from that, um, we've got a couple other things real quick that we'll just hit on. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a guy who's having a heck of a year and like – was way more touted, I think, last year and talked about last year as opposed to this year. Um, that's Ronald Acuna Jr. out in uh, Atlanta. This guy has been incredible this season at age 21. Uh, he's, he's on pace right now to reach a 40-homer, 40 40-steal 40 season while scoring 100 runs and driving in 100 runs. Does that – I mean, all year it's been Cody Bellinger and, and Christian Yelich. How, they're easily the far and away the best two players in the league. No one else is even close for MVP. Forget it. Is Acuna in that conversation? Has he worked his way there? I think he has to be. I, I don't think there's any way that you can keep him out. Um, like you said, uh, right now he's at 298, 34 homers, 82 RBIs, and 28 stolen bases. Is 28 leading the NL? That's a good question. I do not know. Uh, but anyways, yeah. so he's top five in stolen bases. He's top five in every all of those categories. Just about. Yeah, just about. Mm. So it's just like, how can he not be? Um, like you said, he's playing... He's playing... If this was any other year, his name would be... In there, mm-hmm. but when you had Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich just go off at the beginning of the year, Grant they both cooled down a little bit. They're still, like you said, the best players currently. Um, so I think if this was any other year, that um, 
he would be in the conversation. It's just that these two are having such phenomenal years. Um, and each of them play an outfield position. So, like... All right, all three on contending teams. Although, yeah, yeah you could make an argument the Brewers are kind of struggling. But Yeah, I know. I, I agree. You know, I, I think you can't have an MVP conversation without him currently. I agree. Yeah, and, and, and the, the, the game of baseball right now has so many young studs. Um, below the age of 22 which is obnoxious to think about, makes me feel terrible about you know, my lack of baseball skill and prowess at age 24 now. But um, when you think about all the young players in the game, like Juan Soto, um, you know, Fernando Testich Jr., Acuna, the three-headed monster of young guys out in Toronto with Vladdy Jr., all the juniors or whatever, Biggio, Bichette, and, uh, and Guerrero Jr. Um, if you had to pick one right now, to start your team with, if you got to pick one of those five, who are you taking? Oh, sorry. What what were the names again? Let's just say Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette, uh, Soto, Acuna, and Tatis. Let's just say one out of that grouping of all all of them, I think are under twenty two, twenty one or younger, I believe. Yeah, I think I think for me, I'm going to go Soto. I, I I would think it'd be easy for me to say Acuna just because. You know, we're talking about him right now. Uh, but Soto, just what he's done in his first two years has just been pretty um, pretty incredible. I would say I think all these guys are incredible in their own way. It's just he's also a left-handed bat, which I think out of the ones that you named, I think he's the only left-handed yep. bat. Um, and I don't know, that just speaks to me. You know, I mm-hmm. kind of like to start my team around a left-handed bat. I mean... No, I get that. It, it's hard to find that, yeah, too. You and know, he's got plate discipline. Like, he's uh, yeah. Smart, smart player. Yeah, and I think right now he's hitting 290, 79 RBIs, 25 homers. Uh, so it's just... I don't know. I would go with him. I liked what he did last year. I like what he's doing this year. I think he's 20, 20 21? I think he's 20. 20, yeah. I think he was 19 last year, right? Yeah. So, Which is insane. So 20 years old and... He's 20. He turns 21 on October 25th. Wow. So, yeah, I'm going uh, going Juan Soto. He's him and Anthony Rendon carrying the Nationals right now. So Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. If I were to take one, I think just strictly because of the tools... Um, I mean, Acuna is probably the easier pick there, but I'm going to go Tatis Jr. out in San Diego. Um, the guy is just so fun to watch. I mean, he's got everything. He's got the you know the size, the athleticism, and watching him play shortstop too. He's he walked onto a major league field and was probably a top three defensive shortstop in the game right then. Um, he's Anderson Simmons with pop and speed and power and like just he's incredible. Really fun to watch. He doesn't get a lot of run because the Padres are the Padres. But, I mean, look out for him next year. Um, yeah. And then, I guess, yeah, real quick to kind of wrap up. Um, took a little bit of time on the MLB here, as we usually do. Um, just run through. I'll give your top five just power rankings. Middle of August, stretch run coming. Who are your top five teams in the major leagues right now? Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, Braves, Nationals. Love it. I love that pick. I've got Yankees with you. I've got the Dodgers slightly ahead of the Astros, even though I just ripped them apart, um, because I think their lineup has more depth and is a little bit more consistent than Houston. I think Houston, when they get guys hurt, which we see a lot, kind of fall off. And I think Ryu, Kershaw, and Bueller is the only rotation in baseball that can match Verlander, Cole, 
and Grinky, yeah. or at least get close. Also, you know, not. I just want to interrupt you real fast. Jordan Alvarez. Oh man! Oh my goodness! <laughs> is he under twenty two? <laughs> I, I don't even know, man. I forgot about Jordan. Jordan is so good. Oh, he's it, it, he's he is fun to watch. He is twenty two years old as well. So throw him in there, and then just for fun, if you want to throw a little older guys, Aristide Sacchino. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the Punisher, greatest nickname in the game right now. Nine home runs in thirteen games, set yeah. an MLB record. Yeah. Um, and one of them went 118 miles an hour. He stands like he's playing slow pitch softball. He like just stands completely open, flat footed, and then the ball comes and he just crushes it. So really excited for the Reds to see how that goes. Um, I got the Braves at four as well. They've been good. And instead of the Nationals, I got the Indians, kind of for the reasons you were talking about earlier. Fran Mill Reyes, I think, is going to hit so many home runs for them. Um, really like the addition of Puig in that clubhouse with Lindor. Um, Kluber's coming back. Mm-hmm. Clevenger and Bieber have been amazing. Bullpen's a little sketchy, but I kind of like where they're at. I think the Nationals' bullpen's probably the same. But really exciting times in the major leagues. Stretch pennant races are coming. Um, and we'll see. I think next time we'll have to do some predictions for, for what we think's going to happen in the playoffs. But uh, moving on from that, we're going to NFL, which we get to talk about as, I guess, in season. You get the Hall of Fame game, a couple preseason games in. Sure, yeah, I guess we'll say in preseason. In preseason? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what to call it, but yeah, it's coming up. Good enough. Good enough. Um, don't have a lot on the docket. There's, I mean, there's some stupid stories like Antonio Brown and some other nonsense going on. I don't really care about any of that, to be honest. Um, but let's just – I kind of want to talk about who, who you think may be a surprise team coming into this year for a Super Bowl contender. Like as a Super Bowl contender. I mean, obviously the Chiefs coming in looking pretty good. Um yeah, and then, uh, I mean, the Patriots, obviously, we're not going to pick them as a surprise Super Bowl contender. There's no surprise there. Um, Rams coming off, you know, finishing second, losing the Super Bowl. So who do you have as a team that maybe maybe looks as like an under-the-radar type team? So I have a team that I think is going to be interesting, and I'm sure that whenever I say this, uh, they're going to go out and win four games. And everyone can look at me and be like, hey, um, what happened? <laughs> I'm going to say the Houston Texans. Um, just because I think last year, what was it? They Deshaun Watson went down. Mm-hmm. So they're getting Deshaun Watson back. They already have argue, arguably, arguably, yeah, whatever. Yeah, they, something like that. Yeah, they, yeah you know. We're just, not, this isn't an English podcast. Yeah. We're fine. Uh Best wide receiver in the game. Uh, they still have J.J. Watt, and they still have Jadavion Clowney on, and on the defense. So it's just like, I feel like they have the makings to be a very good team. It's just whether or not it all comes together. Yeah. Um, I think they need help uh, with the running game. I have no idea about offensive line. I don't even can't even tell you who has a good offensive line. Nope. So I don't want to even get into that. But I think. Um, I think they have the tools to be a very good team. Uh, and their division's kind of weak. Uh, last year, Jaguars 5-11, and 11, Titans 9-7, and 7, Colts 10-6, and 6, and the Texans 11-5. and 5. So the Colts are a pretty popular pick because Andrew Luck balled out last year and looks like he'd probably do the same thing. But then mm-hmm. after that, I think it's pretty weak. Um, so Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be interesting in the in the AFC specifically too. Um, you know, teams like the Browns are getting a lot of run. Uh, they're, they're an exciting team with that division looking like it's going to have a down year. 
Um, I'm going to stay in the same division and do the team you mentioned, the Colts. I, I mean, Andrew Luck coming off an amazing year. They draft a guy like Paris Campbell in that offense to run slot. I think that's a, just an amazing fit there. T.Y. Hilton alongside him um, would be would be a lot of fun on that offense. And yeah, I think I think the Colts are a kind of team that they had a couple of down years with a lot of the team still there. That's and um, I, I don't know something about when that happens. Kind of similar to the Browns, where you come off you know a couple of rough seasons and you still have the same team intact and like you had a pretty good season. And you didn't quite – you got a taste, and they got a taste of the wild card and a taste of the playoffs. And now they're going to – I feel like this year upcoming, I kind of like where they're heading. So another team that – I would love to pick the Chargers. Um, I really think the Chargers have always in the last – like I think almost every year in the last like 10 years, I've had a team that's like, you know, I could see them making a run. And then somehow, some way they choke it all away. <laughs> Phillip Rivers and his 35 kids need to figure it out. Um, so I would I would love to pick the Chargers to run away. I wouldn't be shocked to see them win that division because the Chiefs have kind of had some off the field nonsense going on. Yeah. It looks a little crazy. So I wouldn't be shocked to see the Chargers win the division. But I'm going to say the Colts are going to be my Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl contender. That's off the radar. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then yeah, fantasy football obviously is what kind of comes with NFL. I think that's what a, for me that's a part of the reason why I watch it. I don't really have a team I root for um, per se. I'm like a halfway half out Bengals fan I hate Mike Brown with a passion so I really don't have a reason to root for the Bengals but um yeah so fantasy football season coming around the corner are you excited about that is there something about fantasy football season you enjoy you hate I don't know what you got uh, I don't know I used to love fantasy football I I played in the league with my dad nah, maybe not I, I don't remember my dad helped me I don't know but I played in the Yahoo fantasy league oh, for like yeah. oh yeah in high school all the time. I think I won it three straight years. And after that, I think I finished last for the next, like, four. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I get it. It gets me to watch the games and be invested. But then I feel like a lot of time I spend on my phone on Sundays instead of watching the game. I'm like, oh, man, so-and-so had a touchdown after he dropped it. And then, so, I don't know. I hate that people take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. I hate the tweets of, like, hey, man, why'd you get injured? Or, hey, man, like, you know, you didn't get into the end zone and now I lost, like, go kill yourself i'm like okay let's tone it down a little bit like yeah. this is fantasy football right so i hate that aspect of it i love it i think it's fun to join with your friends and you know have friendly competition like the the sackle awards are always fun yeah um so i i enjoy that i don't know if i'll play uh i hate to give a shout out to the same person twice twice uh back-to-back podcast but last year i kind of did be a general manager for Corey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ended up going to the uh, finals. So Hey, made a run. Made I won't run. say it was all me, but I definitely helped him out <laughs> in his time with me. <laughs> That's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah, fantasy football, I've, I've had like, I get into it, get out of it, get into it, get out of it. I've played pretty much every year. Um, and last year, it was the first time I've ever won a league. And it was the funniest thing, because like, I didn't really, I, I, did, I was not there for the draft. I missed the draft, so I had auto-draft. And then a lot of the time, I was pretty much spending... Uh, like in middle of the year, I was like, I'm kind of having a decent year. So I started messing with it. And then I got in the playoffs and I was playing the number one seed. And then I beat him. And I ended up playing Gib, you know, our old roommate Gib in, in the finals. And it, <laughs> it's the funniest thing because we always suck for some reason. And we ended up playing each other. And I think I won because I think Aaron Rodgers got hurt in like the first quarter of week 17. <laughs> and so I won. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, yeah, I would say I'm a little bit more excited at the start of this year coming off of a win because I'm just ready for that disappointment of having a terrible draft in year. Um, yeah, I think it just adds more fun to, to the game. Uh, it makes it 
more exciting to watch football. I think yeah. it can get a little bit. Um, you can get a little bit lost on what I'm, who I'm supposed to root for, what I'm watching, and it just kind of makes more engagement in it. I'm all for that. So yeah. So I got a question for you, just real quick. What's up? In your league, say you get the number one overall draft pick, who would you take? Saquon Barkley, and here's the interesting thing, uh, or, or Christian McCaffrey in a PPR league potentially. Here's the interesting thing. I because I won last year, they're giving me the ability to pick my draft position. And I've had some, I've had some like some thoughts. I'm like, I can go like number one or two overall and get one of those two guys, but then I don't pick again for like 20 picks. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, or do I pick one at the end and get back to back, or do I go somewhere in the middle? I'm leaning somewhere in the middle. I'm kind of thinking like the fifth or sixth pick. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys know. I think um, I'm actually <laughs> the fantasy draft is on my anniversary in Colorado, so hopefully I can make it. <laughs> I'll have to talk to the old old wife Jen about that one. Uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I think she'll be okay with it. Yeah, it, at least for the first couple of rounds. Um, we'll see. Um, yeah, NFL season right around the corner. I'm excited to get to talk about that, and then um, college football also right around the corner. Um, some fun stuff on the docket there. I think you came across the news story today or the other day. Yeah. Um, so now they're they're having week zero. So no no longer we're starting week one. We're starting week zero. Right. I'm calling that because there's Actually. only one real game. It's mm-hmm. Miami versus Florida. College game day is going to Orlando, uh, in Disney. So when you think of college game day, wh- what do you think about? I think of the signs. I think of the students being out there at like four in the morning. Um, I mean, the mascots, the, just being like the campus in the background, um, everyone booing Desmond Howard when he says stupid things, and Lee Corso's mascot. Yeah, you know, that, that's awesome. I think, I think you can take all of that and take it all away except for the mascot head. You're uh, right. They are no, no signs allowed, uh, and you have to pay $100. To get in. To get in, yeah. Oh. So they're, they're doing this college game day, and they're saying, okay – you know, this is for the students. We do this for the students. And it's like, don't bring your signs, and you have to pay $100 to be part of it. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting, because the whole reason... <laughs> so they're going to make even more money off of this game while amateur college athletes get nothing. Love to hear that. Um, wow, that's, I, that's, a, that's a weird, uh, weird I, idea. I read this on the internet, so it could be false, and maybe it was refuted by now, but I'm just saying, you know, the last thing I saw was $100 even. Spread it like wildfire. It is true. It is happening. <laughs> uh, we know that for a fact because we read it on an article. You heard it here last, Yes, probably. exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, football season there on the corner. Love that. Fall weekends are always a good time eating some wings and watching football. But uh, instead of looking forward, going to look back. To this day in history, how about that? that nice. How about that? that? Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Someone hire me for that. That that, that was good. I was on the spot too. Um, so this day in sports history, uh, segment we started last uh, last time, where we look back at some some interesting things that have happened on the random day that we happen to be recording the podcast. And today, August fifteenth in nineteen seventy, Mrs. Mrs. Pat Palinkas butchered that um, first woman to play professional football. She was a member of the Orlando Panthers, and for that one game, she was the holder. So uh, yeah, it was it was it's kind of interesting, you know, okay. woman in professional football cracking the works, you know, breaking the glass ceiling. We need more of that. Yeah, exactly. You know, get exactly. more women. Let's put Brittany Griner on a football field and let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, 
And then also in 1993, a little something up, uh, oh, we were kind of talking about um, you know, some pitchers and things like that. In 1993, Nolan Ryan uh, got his final career win against the Cleveland Indians, um, his win number 324 of his career. He, gave, he went seven innings, gave up one run on two hits at age 46, uh, still throwing 95 miles an hour. I don't think that none of these things will ever get done again. Uh, oh, it, no. It blows I mean, my mind. The closest person we had to that was what? Uh, Bartolo Colon throwing uh, 88, 87 mm-hmm. at 42. So yeah. he's not even in the league anymore. So go ahead and add, tack on uh, four more years. And yeah, big Bart, big sexy out there. Chuck at 96. 96. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. Fernando Rodney's also in his 40s. Yeah, he's, he's like 42, 43. So, so. But I think, is he still 90? Is he still He's still 90? in the 90s, but he's a reliever, so he can kind of gas it up for an inning yeah. and move on. Nolan Ryan's throwing seven innings of shutout baseball <laughs> at, at age 46. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, so that's this day in sports history. Moving on to the, uh, to my, my, probably my favorite segment from last time, and this one is just kind of out there. The obscure sports segment. Uh, don't ask I, me to describe this one because I have no idea what you're about to say. I don't either. Uh, <laughs> I was I was talking to Shane about this uh, earlier. It made a lot of sense when I read it the first time, but then I read it again and I'm like, it makes no sense, which means it's perfect for this segment. And it is called Black Pudding Throwing. And it is a sport, of course, found in England where they do weird stuff like that. Um, and they have a championship held every year. On the second Sunday in September. So, listening to this podcast, book your flights, get out to uh, England and, and take part. For one euro, you can take part in this championship um, where bagpipers escort this golden grid of Yorkshire pudding, which is basically bread, a bread bowl, I don't know, um, not even sure. And you wrap bl- black pudding, which is like a weird sausagey thing, in some cloth. And you toss it on to a twenty foot banister where the bread is, and you try to knock them off. Uh, that's as clear as I can probably explain it. But basically, this happens in the middle of this downtown strip where they bring in a bunch of guys playing bagpipes, and you chuck this meat wrapped in a cloth at bread pudding. Um, the question <laughs> is, could we potentially be good at this? I feel like it doesn't sound that hard. Yeah, you know, my first takeaway is whenever you first told me about it, I was thinking like snack packs. Mm-hmm. Like we were taking pudding right. and throwing pudding. Like little pudding cups. Yeah, yeah, not this sack of meat. So that was my first takeaway. Yeah. Second one, why not? Why can't we be good at it? I 20 think, feet? Yeah, that's not high. How heavy is this pudding? Like, that's what I wanted to know. Are we talking like a giant sack of blood sausage or like, you know, a little five pounder? Or something like that. I, I, I don't know. But maybe we could be good at it. I would say we would be better at this one than we would at uh, Buzkashi. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that one I would die. First of all, I'm not good at riding horses. I've fallen off many. I'm the only time I've ridden one, I fell off. Uh, second off, I'm not going to pick up a dead goat. Um, so this one is definitely odd. It seems to be a little less competitive and a little bit more of like a tradition. Kind of the, They said the origins date back to like the 15th century. Um, and then they kind of rejuvenated this, like, world championship back in the 80s, actually. Um, and so it's kind of like more of a festival-type thing. It sounds like a carnival game. You know, the, the one where you stack up, like, the bottles and you throw a ball at it, try to knock as many down as you can. Except this one's just 
up in the air with a sack of meat. And you know, if all three of our listeners would, we could start a GoFundMe page. All three of our listeners just, just donate some money. We'll fly over there, videotape us paying a euro and throwing some sausage, and we'll see if we can do it. Or not. And and then you guys will have an exact idea of what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Because we will be professionals by the time we leave. Yes, exactly, exactly. So we're looking forward to finding some more obscure sports <laughs> that maybe make a little bit more sense over podcasts. Because I'm betting the majority of you are like, I have no idea what this looks like. <laughs> they may have just already fast-forwarded through this part. So <laughs> They're probably not even this far in. You're right. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, but hey, we do. I know, I know we'll have one person. Aaron Schaefer, for sure, will definitely be listening to this section. Uh, she, she, sent a, she was like, I need to see a video of that last sport. And so we had to send her some Bukashi yeah. video. You know, our um, number one fan since day one she's been a day one and 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 on that you know we love hearing some feedback so if any of you guys are out there listening going hey you should talk about this or talk about anything but what you're talking about <laughs> i don't know any feedback's appreciated careful we are sensitive um so so yeah you know keep that in mind but we'd love to to hear from from anybody who, who wants anything else that they want to hear talk talked about on this podcast yeah, absolutely so, yeah any and all feedback is great um, so, yeah, that uh, kind of wraps up the, the sports talk section, um, and now we're going to move on a little bit into our, our scripture for today, and uh, it is found in John chapter 10, um, verses 14 and 15, and we're going to talk about that and kind of dissect it a little bit. It's something I, I really, really love to hear and be reminded of. Um, so, Shane, if you don't mind reading that for us, then we'll talk about it. I'll go ahead and read it. Um, so, John 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's just, yeah, I, I love hearing that. Um, and this is, this is Jesus talking um, here, here in John, um, right after one of our favorite verses where he says, you know, I've come to, to give life and life to the full and give it abundantly. Um, and here he's relating himself to a shepherd. And I love those, like, visualizations um, where you can kind of see how he's, teaching them in ways that they could, could relate. Um, and, and Jesus calling himself the good shepherd who will not leave, their, leave um, his sheep. Um, yeah, so what stands out for you here? I, I, think you, I think you really hit on the head there. It's just that visualization of a shepherd and a sheep. Um, and if you, if you think about a shepherd, you really think of just a person who goes above and beyond for the sheep. This I don't want to say meaningless animal, but like pretty much, it's pretty much <laughs> meaningless. And but the shepherd would do anything to protect it, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I see there. It's just like you know, Jesus being our shepherd, us being the sheep. Like I think we've mentioned it before, but he doesn't need us, but yet he would do anything for us, and he did do anything for us. He gave up his life, as it says, "I lay down my life for my sheep," and that's what he did. So I think that visualization of just the shepherd and the sheep in that relationship is just, like you said, very well seen here. And I also love if we just skip down to part of verse 16. It says, they too listen to my voice. And it always reminds me of the video that you can look up on YouTube, I think. And it's a shepherd just, I don't know, singing maybe. And just the sheep just coming to him because they know that's his voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how cool is that? Like... When Jesus talks, like, we come. And, like, I, just, I love that visualization, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, and it says in verse 14, you know, I know my own sheep and they know me. And, like, 
just as my father knows me and I know the father. So he's basically saying like, we get to have a relationship like together. I get to know you and you get to know me. Um, the, you know, the God that created everything. Um, he's wanting us to know him and he knows everything about us and still sacrifices his life for us in the midst of all the stuff that we, we so often get wrong. Um, so I love, I love that. And, and that he's always like the shepherd implies that he's taking care of us and he has our best interest in mind. And, and I think that's something that's really, really cool is as we walk out kind of our faith, we get to understand and know that like Jesus, um, you know, and then the very famous verse of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, like if he knows the plans he has for us to prosper us, um, just like the shepherd isn't, is going to lead um, his sheep to the, to the green pasture and to the water and to when they need it. Um, Jesus is promising us that same thing here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the shepherd never leads his sheep off a cliff because they all will follow. I think we saw a video of that too. They, yeah. just, they just keep going. Mm-hmm. So the shepherd would never lead them off to a cliff. Like you said, they're going to lead them to green pasture. And, you know, our, in our life, we're, we're not going and looking for a green pasture where we can eat. We're looking for green pasture where to live. And I, and I definitely think well, Jesus is leading us that way, like you said. And um, I also love the part where you brought up just as the father knows me and I know the father. It's just like if you put into like a relationship standpoint, Think of how well you know your father. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, like, hey, I know you just as well as I know my father. Mm-hmm. And I would like to think that I know my father more than I know most people in this world. And he's like, I know you just as much as I know my father. Yeah. that's Yeah, that's a big deal. I love that. And then, yeah, like, the sheep here did nothing to deserve having the shepherd. They were just sheep. Yeah. Um, they were created. And then the shepherd came along to take care of them, just like we are. Um, you know, we did nothing to deserve to be known and loved by the Father and loved by Jesus and sacrificed um, and protected, but yet he did because he loves us. And yeah, I just I just love being reminded of that, that truth, that visualization of, of, of just being in an awesome relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, love talking about that. Um, if you guys have any questions about any of that, definitely reach out to Shane or I. We, we'd love to, to talk. We love talking about that. Um, so yeah, I think um, that's a wrap on episode four. Uh, stay tuned. We will hopefully tweet out something in the next week or two of, of getting episode five out and rolling. Um, yeah, thanks for listening and hope you guys have an awesome day. Yeah, see you next time.